let's jump into Proverbs. We left off at Proverbs 10, 15 last time. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and poverty of the poor is their ruin. Now, I had said before, and I'll say again very quickly, that there's three voices in Scripture. You have the voice of the priest, which talks about Torah. You have the voice of the prophet, which is corrective. In other words, God sends a prophet to Israel, and Israel is screwing up. So the voice of a prophet is situational. Now, a prophet may speak prophecy, as in future stuff, which is, of course, correct. But the things that he says about Israel are situational. They're not universal. And then finally you have the voice of the king, which is human wisdom. So here a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Certainly in the world, having wealth insulates you from the shock of circumstances. That is in no way a contradiction to what it says other places in Scripture, where if you trust in wealth, you will eventually fail. In fact, Proverbs will say that very thing later on. So it is, in fact, true that having a nice, stable, fat bank account insulates you against a lot of the shocks of this world. True statement. No question about it. Trusting in wealth, however, will lead you to ruin. There's no dichotomy there. But as I say, one is the voice of human wisdom, and the other one is God speaking eternally. The wages of the righteous lead to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Now, one of the things that's going to happen here as we go along, there's going to be this dichotomy between the righteous and the wicked. It'll be talked about in several different ways. Here we have the wage of the righteous leads to life. And what I will suggest to you is those wages are paid by God, which is to say leading a righteous life will, in general, have your life go better. You'll have gain and all that kind of stuff. God says in the Torah, if you follow my rules, I will make sure that your animals don't miscarry. I will make sure that there's rain for your crops. I will make sure that your enemies stay out of your hair. All those kinds of things. It does not, however, say that I will plow your field, I will herd your sheep, and so forth. You understand the difference. This is the same thing. The wage of the righteous leads to life, which is to say if you live according to Torah, God says that things will go well for you and your life will be good. And the gain of the wicked leads to sin. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So notice that the wage of the righteous leads to life. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. So we get life and life, both cases. And what Proverbs is, is instruction in righteousness and wisdom. So again, someone who is righteous has listened to the instruction of his forebears as opposed to the wicked who have not, he who rejects reproofs, leads others astray. Which is to say, those who will not be corrected by the wise will not only go astray themselves, but they will recruit. Sin recruits. Sin is not solitary. Sin is most happy when it's got a crowd around it because at some level they know they're wrong and they feel more comfortable in a crowd. 18. The one who concealed hatred has lying lips, 
Whoever utters slander is a fool. The other thing that's going to be happening as we go through this is he's going to be talking about the power of words, the power of speech. And so here he's saying, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. The only way you can conceal hatred is to lie about it. If you are hateful, it will come out unless you lie. And whoever utters slander is a fool. So again, slander is something that destroys the community. So basically what you're doing is you are destroying the thing that supports you, the community. Verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We have now whoever utters slander is a fool. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And the idea here is, and it's all over rabbinic literature, is people who run their mouths are generally fools. The wise man holds his counsel, keeps quiet, waits until he's asked, whereas the fool just chatters on. And by the way, we're going to come back to the subject of 15, which is a rich man's wealth is a strong city. But now we're going from wealth and we're going into speech. So verse 20 now. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Now what's being said there is out of the heart the mouth speaks. So you have the heart of a righteous man the words that will come out of his mouth are valuable. They're valuable for correction. They're valuable for healing. They're valuable for teaching. They're valuable for all sorts of things. So they are, in a sense, silver. However, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Parentheses, we have this fool who, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. So you have a fool whose heart is of little worth, and when it comes out of his mouth, his words are of little worth. And his words then lead to transgression. 21. The lips of the righteous feed many. So again, we're talking about speech here. So the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. So you've got this dichotomy between the righteous and a fool, the righteous and the wicked, etc., and the words of the righteous feed many, which you can look at either physically or spiritually. Someone who speaks wisdom constantly nourishes the people around him emotionally and spiritually. But the words of the righteous also lead to plenty, as well as emotional health and so forth. But fools die for lack of sin. Now, we've been talking about life and death, and back up in 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray, and then down here, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. See how this is all being woven together? You can take them profitably as couplets, and you can take each couplet, and you can study each couplet, and that's very profitable. You can also concatenate them like we're doing here, and you can see a theme flowing through them. 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now that goes back to a rich man's wealth is a strong city. So the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and 
again, one of the things that happens with certainly lots of Christians, I imagine many Jews too, is they'll try and spiritualize this. Oh, I'm rich in understanding or whatever. The Torah talks about physical wealth, flocks and herds and grain and your vats overflowing and all that kind of stuff. So the idea is you don't have to spiritualize this. And what it says is the wealth that you get from God is different from the ill-gained wealth that a fool gets. Because the ill-gained wealth of a fool, he is always on edge because he knows he got it unjustly and he's always afraid that he's going to lose it. Whereas the wealth that is given by God to the righteous brings peace. Going back to verse 15, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. A strong city is a city with walls, a city that's safe, a city that you can come inside of and be safe from attack. So a rich man's wealth is a strong city, and then down here, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So what we're talking about here is the rich man in God is like the rich man back in verse 15 who is secure in a strong city. One of the things that's current in our society is this smarmy, I work for a nonprofit. I am better than someone who works for a corporation that makes filthy profits. Now, the guy that's working for a nonprofit is driving a BMW, wearing a three-piece suit, has a nice bank account, but he is virtuous because he's not making a profit. Whereas the filthy capitalist who also drives a BMW and also has a three-piece suit, he's evil because he's making a profit. God doesn't have any problem with wealth or profit. What he has a problem with is wealth or profit that is gained unjustly. And the idea is prevalent in society is you have very, very rich people walking around in tattered blue jeans to show that they're part of the common people. And they work for nonprofits because I'm not a money grubber. And they're, in fact, very wealthy people. But they're also hypocrites as opposed to somebody who works hard for his money and enjoys the wealth that he's given. And that's what God is saying here. The wealth that God gives you has no sorrow with it. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You don't need to worry about it. If God has given it to you, he will sustain you. Now, we're switching gears here. From 15 to 22 is all sort of a wad. And now, as we get to 23, we're going to change gears. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Now, you've all met people who do wrong and laugh, do wrong perversely and think it's really funny. That's what we're talking about here. The thing that they get from that is laughter and social acceptance from the people around them. Look at me, I'm going against the grain, I'm doing something wicked here, aren't I cool? So what the pleasure they get is the approval of their equally foolish friends, or friends that don't know any better, which looks foolish. But the pleasure of a man of understanding is wisdom, as opposed to the approval of shallow people around him. He gets his pleasure from his understanding. 24. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Now, 
one of the things that I have said many, 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 many times is fear and faith are twins. They are opposite sides of the same coin, which is to say the spiritual mechanism that causes things to happen is either fear or faith. So if you are afraid of something, you are using negative faith, and your negative faith may cause it to come into existence. If you pray for something, hope for something, have faith for something, you are using positive faith, and your positive faith and confession may have it come into existence. But it's the same spiritual mechanism, just positive and negative. What we're saying here, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, in other words, the fear that the wicked has in his heart will cause the thing he fears to come to pass. Whereas the desire of the righteous will be granted, again, that's positive and negative faith, if you will. 25. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Again, straightforward. The storm will blow the wicked away, but not the righteous. And again, this is human wisdom. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who sent him. Vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, obviously irritating. A sluggard is someone who is lazy. So a sluggard will be to someone who sent him. In other words, you send a sluggard on an errand, and the errand won't get done or it will get done late or it will get done in a haphazard fashion. So a sluggard to the one who sent him is as annoying as vinegar on your teeth or smoke in your eyes. 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. We all know wicked people who live into their 90s, and we all know righteous people who have died young. So this is not thus saith the Lord, this is, that's how to bet. Your chances of living a long life are better if you are righteous than if you are wicked. 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. I had a guy that I used to go to church with when I was still in the Episcopal Church, and he was talking about the police or something, and he was saying criminals are really stupid. They'll go to great lengths to set up a caper and steal something, and then they'll leave it sitting on the hood of their car and walk off. In fact, there's a movie. It's a modern remake of Ulysses, Odysseus' story. Oh, brother, where art thou? And it's set in the south. And one of the characters is Pretty Boy Floyd. And the heroes get swept up with him for a time. And he robs a couple banks. And he's driving down the road, just cops chasing him, everything else. And he's got his money in an open bag. And the money is just blowing out of the car as he drives down the road. In other words, he's wicked, but he doesn't husband the fruits of his wickedness and so winds up worse off than he was before. That's sort of what's being said there. The expectation of the wicked will perish. 29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. There's a couple of ways you can take that. Way number one is the way of the Lord in this case is how God set up his universe. The way I describe it, it's like petting a dog. If you pet the dog from the head down to the tail, it's real smooth. But if you try and pet the dog from the tail to the head, it's rough, right? 
So if you go the way God designed his universe, things go smoothly. If you go against it, things don't work as well. That's one way to take it. Perfectly valid way as far as I'm concerned. The other way to take it is prophetically. If you're talking with the voice of the prophet, what happens over and over again in Israel is Israel maintains the form of righteousness long after the actual righteousness has departed. And what happens is the prophet will come along and say, you guys smell like dirty diapers. You're going into the temple, you're sacrificing, you're doing all the form, but you are oppressing the widow and the orphan and the stranger. You have an unjust society. You descended into violence and idolatry and child sacrifice, and you smell to me like filthy rags, dirty diapers. And that is situation, because they have the form of righteousness, but not the substance of righteousness. So the other way you can look at this proverb is if you have the form of righteousness but not the substance of righteousness, that will in fact redound to your destruction, as it does with Israel because God has three times sent them off into exile for just that kind of stuff. So look at it either way, whichever way you like, it's fine. Or both ways, I can see it both ways. 30. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. Eventually, the wicked get to the point where God can't stand the stench anymore, and he whistles up an empire, you know, Babylonian empire, Assyrian empire, Roman empire. He whistles up an empire, and the empire comes through there and sands them off and sends them out into exile. That is historically what happens. On an individual basis, that doesn't always happen. Again, this goes back to there are wicked people who live into their 90s and die in bed. And Daniel, who was a righteous man, grew up in Babylon and lived his entire life there. So this is not necessarily individual, but again, that's the way to bet. 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. So we have the words of the righteous here bringing forth wisdom. Perverse is an interesting word here. Perverse is not just wrong although it is wrong. Perverse is someone who does something wrong simply because he knows it's wrong. This is the two-year-old who you tell you cannot have a cookie and looks right at your face and walks in and takes a cookie just because you said not to. That's perverse. And that's different than just simply wrong. It's a higher order of error, if you will. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. So a righteous man's words will be proper, acceptable, wise, useful in the situation where he is, whereas the wicked are simply perverse. They will say the wrong thing simply to be saying the wrong thing. So we'll stop there at the end of chapter 10, and we'll pick it up at 11. What we might do is have what we used to call open mic night. And what we'll do is devote as much time as questions warrant and then use proverbs for the balance of the hour. As you have questions from your daughter, questions from your friends, I never understood that, that kind of thing. We'll start the hour off with open mic. Anybody can ask anything you want to ask. 
And when that peters out, we then have proverbs to fill out the hour. Let's try that for a while, see how that works. <laughs>